Now Talk Real Estate, sponsored by Boston Connect Real Estate Services. Hi, I'm Shara McNamara, and you are listening to Talk Real Estate. Let me share a little bit about my background before we get started. I am the broker owner of Boston Connect Real Estate, located on the South Shore, and I have been working as a full-time realtor and sales and marketing consultant for home buyers and home sellers for the past 15 years. My unique approach to assisting my clients to the next chapter of their lives is driven by being a team player and by offering them continuous training, education, advising, and mentoring. Every week, I will be providing you with real estate topics ranging from home buyer and home seller advice, legal matters, insurance binders, flood insurance concerns, home inspection questions, environmental worries like radon, lead paint, and mold, mortgages and loan programs, staging tips and ideas, real estate contracts, market trends, home values, and more. It's a talk radio show, and you can follow along online. If you have any questions during the show, please call 781-837-4900. We'd love to talk real estate. If you missed any of our shows, you can listen on my podcast at talkrealestateradio.com. If you would like a one-on-one consultation with me regarding your home sale or your home purchase, you can connect with me anytime at bostonconnect.com or 781 826 8,000. Now, sit back, relax, take good notes, and let's talk real estate. And hello to all our South Shore neighbors. You are listening to Talk Real Estate Roundtable with Boston Creek Real Estate's broker team. My name is Melissa Wallace, and I am joined via Zoom by most of my team. Uh, Mary is on the road, but um, coming in on two wheels probably in the next minute. But uh, we have Justin Hughes at his house in Boston. Hello, Justin. Hello, hello, Melissa. Good to see you. Good to see you. And Sharon is setting us up on Facebook. She, we're swapping. We're swapping jobs this week. <laughs> I'm doing I like this role. <laughs> She's doing the Facebook. But, um, but Sharon is joining us um, on Zoom and. All of us, uh, all of you guys on Facebook will see us soon, um, but she she's going to set us up. Oh, there she is. Hi. Hi I'm still working, so I need a couple Thanks. more minutes, okay? okay? That's okay. But say <laughs> hello to all of our listeners from your home. Oh, yeah. So this is my office. So <laughs> what does this say behind me? Dream until your dreams come true. I feel like I just saw some pitter-patter paws that just came in behind me. So Gracie is with me. Oh, and, and, um, just Gracie Lisa, you could have done the show together because Lisa's like six doors down. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm probably closer to you right now than anyone else. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Eileen. And you might hear barking in my video, so I apologize in advance. Yeah, that's what makes it live, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, All right, guys, I'm going to let you guys take off. Um, Melissa, why don't you just get everybody on track about what our thoughts are and to have our welcome guest back again. I'd love to see Ken McCormick. Ken, I hear you might miss me. You miss me? <laughs> so let's let's just pretend we're not on a live radio show right now, but we are on WATD. I just have to tell you a funny story. So you had to meet Justin the other day. He had to get two smokes um, certs from you, and I said, "How did everything go?" He goes, "It was great. Ken was in a good mood." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> he called me on a good day. <laughs> I thought it was so cute, though. He's like, Ken was in a good mood. And I was like, oh, well, I've always seen him in a good mood. Yeah, why am I never in a good mood? Oh, I no. <laughs> I, I think it was just great that we have all these clients awesome. right now that are in and about Pembroke employees that you know, Sharon knows, everyone everybody likes, we've enjoyed working with. So when, yeah, so when, you know, we're going house to house and actually all getting together with someone else, it's nice. 
Yeah. Just yeah. Really change piece. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Everybody tonight we wanted to know. <laughs> tonight we wanted to check in with the two of you and we also have Josh Cutler joining in um, if you were listening to us during the beginning of COVID for like I don't know 13 14 weeks <laughs> the first 13, a while 14, yeah a long time we had you guys on every single week and then uh, I think I, I recently ran into Ken um, out to dinner uh, a couple weeks ago and I said you know what? we got to have you back on and yep. he was almost like oh goodness are we still doing this COVID stuff <laughs> still happening <laughs> but here we are. Fast forward to tonight, and, and we wanted you guys to come back on. But Ben, uh, interrupt me if it's time for Lisa DeMilo. Um, but, it sure uh, is. She's standing by. Oh, perfect. Well, Lisa, can you just give us an update of how long it's going to take Mary to get to the office tonight? <laughs> <laughs> That's great, Sharon. Well, you know, if she is on Route 3 North, uh, there's delays passing reported crash after Route 44. Southbound Curiosity delays has you on the brakes passing the northbound crash scene. The expressway southbound jam from the tunnel down to Columbia Road. Then you're slow from Bryant Ave to the split. The northbound sides now a 12-minute drive from Braintree up to Boston. 93 North is in good shape in either direction between Canton and Braintree and Route 24 South. Light volume coming down off 93. This report is sponsored by Amazon. Amazon is hiring. They've got boxes full of what's important to be packed up and delivered. Enjoy benefits and flexible shifts. Go to Amazon.com slash apply. Amazon's an equal opportunity employer. Traffic on the nines every morning. I'm Lisa DeMilo in the WATD Traffic Center. We now return to Talk Real Estate, sponsored by Boston Connect Real Estate Services on 95.9 WATD. And we are back. You are listening to Talk Real Estate Roundtable with Boston Connect Real Estate Broker Team. My name is Melissa Wallace, and now I am joined by my team member, Mary Baker, <laughs> here in studio, coming in wet. on two wheels. <laughs> yeah, it's been raining all day. Um, I wish I wore my rain boots, although I was indoors all day, so it didn't really matter. And Dustin is joining us from Boston. Hello, Dustin. Hello, hello. And Sharon is joining us from Pembroke. Hello, Hi. Sharon. Hello. I'm still uh, doing your job right now, which you do mine, I'll do yours. I like it. That's okay. That's okay. All right. Well, why don't we just... Um, dive into it we had a couple the past couple shows have been short but tonight we're on till 7 30 so um we the you know we have lisa joining us um and lisa for those of uh for everybody who's not um familiar with um our first 15 shows of covid um <laughs> could you remind everybody who you are what you do here in pembroke and um give us a little update of of your little avenue here Sure. So um, I serve as Pembroke's health agent. Um, little background, I've been the agent for 10 years now, and I served on the Board of Health for almost five, 15 years um, previous to becoming the agent for the town. Um, for those that aren't familiar, Board of Health um, in, in Pembroke and surrounding communities primarily deals with home septic systems, um, public health and safety, um, restaurants, uh, general sanitation, um, as well as environmental uh, health threats within a community. And that's just a fancy way of saying, you know, if if you're not calling the police because someone's shooting you or you're not calling Ken to put out a fire so that doesn't burn you, anything else that could possibly kill you is probably my domain to, to make sure that that doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, that made me laugh. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. So do you have a little bit of an update since you, since you were last on? Like, sure. you know, what's going on? What's going so on? So in case anyone has been like under a rock and, you know, hasn't <laughs> seen 20,000 different news bites with 20,000 different spins and takes on it. Um, I'll go back to the beginning because people seem to forget this the most uh, of anything when we talk about COVID. And that's the fact that COVID is still an emergence, emerging infectious <laughs> disease. And hey. Sorry about that. <laughs> and they agree. They don't like COVID that. either. So it's it's still an emerging infectious disease. And while we think, oh, we've been going through this forever, it, it actually is really new. So it, we're still learning so much about this, how this transmits and how this reacts and what it's going to do. But I think everyone knows, uh, again, from the news, and if you're listening to any good media outlet, that this was always going to be on the rise again. And, you know, it was a big deal in the spring because we didn't know anything about it. And here it was. And what's this thing? And what are we going to do? And we didn't have a lot of answers. And certainly we still need a lot more answers. But we have a lot more information now. And, and, and South Shore communities have been able to take aggressive steps to help um, contain the spread of COVID, which is great. However, um, for, for those, again, that weren't paying you know attention to the news so much, we were always expecting um, a reinfection rate come this fall. We are starting to see those case numbers rise. We are seeing some communities around us um, go to higher elevations. Pembroke itself went from a green community to a yellow community. Some of our neighboring communities have gone to red communities. Um, so this is a really good idea for, for people to take a refresher, you know, COVID course, because I know people get really fatigued. This gets boring. It gets tiresome. It gets old. It gets um, forgotten or wanting to be forgotten. And we have to remind ourselves that we're still fighting an infectious disease. Um, this disease wants to spread from human to human. That's how it lives and grows. And that we have to, you know, be vigilant about our personal sanitation, our washing of hands, how many people we gather in groups of, um, how much gathering and how close a proximity we are to people, especially inside. And if we go back to those basic principles and start reinforcing those again, we can once again curtail the rise of COVID. But the fact that cold weather's coming and, and people are spending more time inside, it was, you know, just a matter of time before we start uh, to start to see cases go on the rise again. Um, Lisa, can you explain to everybody what the colors mean, you know, going from sure. yellow to red or did you say green? So or there's four different uh, community designations, and this is based on the infection rate per 100,000 persons within a community. So they go from a low of gray um, to a medium low of green to a moderate of yellow and to a high case count of red. Okay. And how many, so how many cases do you have to be to sort of go through the, the threshold? So now we're, you said that we're- Each, each level is almost a doubling of the level below it, but um, the, the four to eight count per 100,000 um, is, is our lower levels. And then it's, it's when you get over that um, case count per 100,000 that we start to see those numbers go up. And you have to be at a very low case count, only a few cases to be below that, um, to be back in those gray communities. Okay. Before we dive into all the questions that we have um, on our little agenda tonight, um, I want to give Ken the opportunity to sort of introduce himself, to tell everybody um, what he does here in the town of Pembroke, and to let everybody know that we love him so much. <laughs> Thank you, uh, So my name's Ken McCormick. I'm the fire chief in Pembroke. Uh, I've been here a little longer than Lisa. Not much, but a little. Uh, I've been with the department. I got on the call department in 87. I've been full-time since 94. Uh, and I currently hold the position of chief. Um, myself and Lisa and Chief Hill and 
Chief Ball, who was here, they're both retired now, and now Chief McDonald are going to take us through the second part, unfortunately, of our rise in COVID cases. Um, <clears throat> hopefully, as Lisa was saying, we'll be able to minimize those by doing our uh, spacing and our masks and our hand washing. Uh, unfortunately, all of our fun activity outdoor with the good weather we've had is going to come to an abrupt halt, uh, which is going to move all of our festivities inside, uh, which will, I hope, minimize the increase, but it's still going to increase it. The couple hundred thousand kids we sent back to school uh -huh. uh, is not helping. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was, you know, they've been, they've been quarantined and grounded in their backyard for five months, so <laughs> they're now out. College kids are back. So you, the numbers were going to rise, as Lisa said. It was inevitable that it was going to happen. We just need to make sure that we're vigilant, keep doing what we were doing, um, and, and and try to not screw it up. I'm going to go back to hmm. where I was back. Like in my famous words. Yeah, Don't let's just not screw it up. We just got to keep it. We got to keep it going forward, uh, so that we can minimize the cases that we have. Mm -hmm. Besides kids going back to school, do you guys see anything that's going on right now that that could be you know sort of a factor in the, the uptick or you know is it restaurants being opening again bars you know stuff like that yeah, I, I think a lot of it has to do as lisa said i think a lot of it has to do with um we become somewhat complacent um you know we've been doing the outdoor thing the weather has been perfect for restaurants that were able to participate with outside activities uh, mm -hmm. had such a great stretch of, of outdoor um you know, good weather that, you know, people become complacent. They just kind of forget. They're like, oh, we're kind of back to the norm. We have a tendency to get back to the norm really quick. Um, you know, we do have flu season coming around. And, and, and I think that is is the case. The case is we're going to be back inside. It's getting colder. Uh, and people are just going to have to start to remember that when you move into a smaller space inside tight quarters, you know, most people don't wear their masks in their house when they have people over or their own family that's when this virus thrives. Mm -hmm. It thrives in that condition. So we, ju we just got to be careful. We got to be really, really vigilant in the fact that, you know, we're going from something that we, we become accustomed to on the outside over the summer to something that's going to kind of change it and, and, and the virus is going to change with it. Mm -hmm. Do you see people maybe not taking it as serious anymore because we've been going through this a long time or you know do you like what, ken you already shook your head like why would you even ask that? <laughs> no, I, I, don't, I don't see that i don't see it as it's not serious i just think it's just we become complacent I, yeah. I i think you know i think the town of pembroke has done a fantastic job from the very beginning of this um and taking it extremely serious um i just think we we get complacent, and I'll use 9-11 as an example. It was, it, it it lasted for about two and a half years, and then people remembered, but it wasn't in the forefront. It, it got pushed into the back of people's minds, <clears throat> and we remember it now on 9-11, and that's when it comes back. But for the rest of the year, it it, 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 it just kind of gets pushed to the back of people's minds because we, we're busy. We have other things that we're doing, and this is kind of the same thing. You know, cases went down. We went into the green. We were getting maybe one case every other couple of days, if not, if that. And and when you put those numbers out to the general public, which we should be doing, to let them know where we are and how good we're doing, they're like, oh, we haven't had a case in four days. So 
people become lax. Yeah. And we, just, we, we can't become lax. We have, we have to just keep being as vigilant as we were and just doing the things that we were doing and not screw it up. And that's, that's really the basis of it. Wash your hands, social distancing, keep your mask on. Just do what we're supposed to. Because we got flu coming too, so it's going to. Those are the two of these things are very hard to determine if it's the flu or it's COVID. So yeah. everybody that has the flu symptoms kind of think they have COVID, and we're going to become inundated again. And I'm hoping that the mask and the social distance and the hand washing limits the cases of flu, but I don't know that to be true either. Yeah, I would hope it would because we're going to take the COVID precautions, but I I don't know if that will happen. I think that with it being flu season, you know, you're right. Even in the summer, like, you know, the past couple of years, like my allergies have been really bad. And this year I felt like they were even worse, but I was, I, Sam, uh, Mary's boyfriend convinced me one day that I had COVID. So I was like, no, I swear. I'm just, I, it's cause I slept with my windows open. Like, so I got I actually, fresh air. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, am I experiencing all these symptoms and blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, I don't have a fever. And so I just went through the whole thing and I ended up getting uh, tested and it was negative, but I was literally like, oh my gosh, like, or like, you know, I hope everybody's taking it seriously because they might think, oh no, I just have the flu or no, it's just allergies, but you know, it could be something else. But, um, true. But yeah, I feel like I remember when we were started, you know, way back when, and you guys kept on saying it's going to become the new norm. It's going to be the new norm. And I feel like it did. So putting on the mask just feels very natural. Um, sometimes it's uncomfortable, but you know, it's whatever you have to do what you have to do. But, the thing that worries me sometimes now we're out when we're going into people's homes and I'm, I'm now I can differentiate between the people who are definitely like I'm taking this serious and the people who really are not. So I think Dustin, you and I actually went into a house recently and the person was like, you don't need your mask with me. Like, You're like thank I, you for telling head, that I definitely need my mask now. <laughs> yeah, like that's exactly how I felt. And I was like, well, I'm not special. So you're saying that to everybody, you know? So it's almost like before it felt, I don't want to say embarrassing or like you felt like you were insulting somebody by saying, Hey, I hope you don't mind. I'm putting my mask on in your presence. Now it's more like, you know, in that situation, we were both like, you know what? It's, we're fine. We, you know, we just, we'll keep the mask on. It's part of our protocol that we have to do. So I think that part of it is really good getting everybody outside. I thought that that was good. I saw a lot of, you know, the social gathering things together, but now that everybody is going to be going back inside, you said this, we could rewind from when was it April that you said, we'll see this happen again in October that we'll start to go on the rise again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, something that I wanted to ask you guys or all of us ask you guys is, you know, what, what can we expect? Like what, are there going to be, you know, more restrictions if we continue to have the uptick um, or have the rise? Like, what what is it that we can sort of expect, at least here in Pembroke? Lisa, you're smiling. I know. So it, I'm, I'm, I'm smiling because my dog heard the doorbell and I was hoping he could hold it all together and he did just barely. And, <laughs> um, and, I, and I saw Josh Cutler is here, so that always makes me smile. But um, seriously, so to answer your question... It, it, it's a scenario of best case scenario, middle, middle of the road case scenario, and then worst case scenario. So the best case scenario is because we've learned enough to keep us safe and, and we've proven that over the last several months, 
that as long as people remember um, to, to wear their masks, to keep their hands clean, to not gather unnecessarily, and people don't, you know, at the end of the season decide, well, I'm going to have the same kind of gatherings that I had all summer, and I'm going to have them now inside my house and 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 not take precautions, particularly, um, you know, where where the numbers are more elevated. If we see people behave like they did come April and May, we're going to be okay and we're going to have a good case scenario. If we see people say, well, it's been a while and the numbers aren't that bad and they're going to gather in larger quantities and they're not going to take any precautions um, or take minimal precautions, we're going to see that middle of the road scenario where we are going to start to see a spike in cases. And then the worst case scenario is people, you know, really disregard all this and say, oh, it's gone, it's over. Um, you know, I'm going to do what I want and they're not going to take any precautions. They're going to have large house parties. We've already seen the college population, unfortunately, um, at so many universities demonstrate this. And in these parties that are being tracked as major source outbreaks aren't even that big by college standards. I mean, at least certainly not by college standards. When I went to college, these, these parties were baby parties at best compared to my years at Bridgewater State. But um, I just dated myself there. Um, but um, you know, these were nothing events, you know, they're talking, oh, there was 30 to 40 college students, you know, at this party, you know, and I'm like going 30 to 40. I'm like, that's called the pre-party to, to going to the party. Um, that, that, certainly is not, that is certainly not what we call the party then. But um, so it's going to depend on those behaviors. And if we see more and more families engaging in that kind of behavior where they're having large gatherings with with very minimal control of numbers, we're going to see those cases start to spike. Because again, it only takes one person in that case environment, that very sad story um, about that wedding out of Maine. Um, it only took one positive person to then infect a bunch of people at that wedding that then carried it outside that wedding. Um, we saw that illustrated again at, at the... Um, the Rose Garden event at the White House, how it only takes one or two people and then how many people come infected by there and they're not even contact tracing that. So we don't even know how many secondary and third cases there are out removed from that instance. But that's how quickly this thing can still spread. And that's why, you know, what kind of a fall we have is really going to depend on how much this message hit home and how much people are cautious about this. So then the second part of your question is, are we going to see new restrictions? I would strongly suspect if the governor starts to see a third of the towns in Massachusetts tip to the red, and if he starts to see of those third of the towns, here we go, crystal ball time, Josh. This is just for Josh Cutler. So I got my crystal ball. <laughs> and we're going to see a third of those towns tip to red, and we're going to see a third or more of those towns staying above that three-week mark, that three-week threshold that the state has talked about with their stoplight metrics of what we're really going to be concerned about. Then they're going to start taking um, schools remote again. That's one of the metrics of three weeks of red. We're going to start to see um, towns have to move back to the phase two, step one, where that's going to be severe or no indoor seating at restaurants, um, severe restrictions on retail, um, re restrictions on business, on total population within the business. And that's going to have some serious side effects to it. That's going to have economic side effects, business side effects. Um, that, that are going to be really challenging. And then the question is, and this is a question for Josh Cutler for sure, not for me. I don't, I don't do the money and I don't do the governance side of this. So that'll take us back to what, if any, aid is going to be there. Because if we have to go back into a even a semi-shutdown scenario, what's going to be the cause and effect to small businesses? What's going to be the cause and effect um, to schools? And then parents' you know, ability to earn an income if you know children are home even more than they are now. Um, 
So we've never seen a moment in, in Massachusetts history, at least not while I've been alive, where truly the trajectory of this state is in the hands of its citizens and what they do for the next six to eight weeks. Truly, the future of, of what this whole winter is going to look like for us is in the hands of every Massachusetts citizen and the choices they make every day. Can I ask a question? So I have a bunch of them. So actually, <laughs> I hate to hog it, but oh, so anyways, let me just digress again. So Ken, my fire alarms went off last night and no, fire, fire, fire. And I was like, well, those work, but neither me or Mark actually got up to look around to see what was going on. He, Mark's like, this happens this time of year all the time. I was like, no, we need a, an exit, but we were safe. That was one thing I wanted to tell you. And then I almost called last week, but I didn't want to because, um, I whacked my head putting my dog into my car. I whacked it off my car door. Seeing stars is like legit. It's a real thing. And then I was flat out on the garage floor, Casey hovering over me as she's taking the bar in one hour from that time. And she's like, should I call an ambulance? And I was like, no, I'm afraid it will be Ken McCormick and he'll make fun of me. <laughs> so I got to tell you, you're not a very good showcase for calling the fire department, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Twice now you didn't call him when you should have. But I know. Yeah, that really. We're not going to let you be our spokesperson. No, <laughs> when you concuss yourself, that's a really good time to call the fire department. But Ken, I got to back up. My favorite line is, "Hey, all the fire alarms are going off, and we didn't do anything." I'm like, "No, <laughs> people, when fire alarms go off, we do something." <laughs> We did eventually, but it took a while. It was early in the morning. It stunned you. But I still have a headache, by the way. Just want to say. But um, a couple things. One, Ken, you had mentioned something about the flu. And I know I had encouraged both of my parents to go out right away and get the flu vaccine. They had a hard time finding it. So I don't know who wants to answer this, but is there a shortage of that? Because I know it's something high on my priority list to do, too. I got that one for you, Sharon. So yes and no simultaneously. What's going to be the challenge for folks like your parents is the high-dose flu vaccine is proving to be difficult to get a hold of. Not impossible, but difficult. And people's best resource if they're trying to secure the high-dose and you're in that high-risk category, you should try to get the high-dose. Certainly if you can't, that doesn't mean you shouldn't get a regular flu shot. It just means you should try to get the high-dose if you can. One. Two, and we did run some clinics through our Pembroke. Unfortunately, our high dose is all gone. We, we only got about 80 doses this year, and, and th those are all uh, distributed at this time. So then um, you should get a regular flu shot. Now, this is where it gets good. Um, the regular flu shot is very easy to come across. Most of your major grocery stores, certainly CVS, certainly your primary care, certainly any of the we'll call them dock-in-a-boxes, but convenient MDs, walk-in clinics, they all have the flu shot available. I reached out to a few different groups and they they all have it. Um, the town is continuing to run a few more flu clinics, so you can sign up for some of those. Most of those are being run out of the COA. We still have a fair amount of doses on hand. Um, unfortunately, those are during the day, so I know that's a challenge for some people. I'll that's why CBS so what's that? I'll be there tomorrow. Can you put my name on oh, one? No, no, no. Just call. Just call. So just call the Board of Health, um, 781-293-2718. Um, Sheila is orchestrating um, and even trying to, you know, not give people a time slot. We can't be that specific because they are walk-in clinics, clinics, but she's trying to give people ideas. She's been working all the clinics of when, um, you know, are the best times for the least wait um, and letting people know what's available and when and when they're going to be set up. So that'll help. I know the town of Pembroke is planning on doing, there's also, they call it the super 
it, it's a flu vaccine, but it's a super vaccine. It's not the the high dose and it's not the, the regular dose. It's kind of like got extra antigens to it. And we're planning on doing that next week for town employees with the town of Pembroke. And if it's not all spoken for, we will make that available to the public as well. Um, so Ken, I'm going to send a little email over for your guys to bop on in the police department. I know the DPW has been highly interested. And like I said, we think we have another batch of that dose reserve. So we will also make that available and put that out on the town website as soon as it is. But again, people do not have to wait and people should not wait. So now here's the second part of my, my flu shot speech. I know some people have misgivings about vaccines and I respect that. But I want to remind everyone that just because COVID is here, flu and all those other diseases didn't magically poof and go away. I would, even if I am a not believer in vaccine or, or you know, as, as fully invested in modern medicine as maybe everyone is, I respect that. But I want everyone to stop and consider, this is really not the winter. You want to get pneumonia, flu, or anything else that puts you in a hospital. Let me say that again. You really don't want to have to go to a hospital this winter if you can avoid it. And unless you have a very, very powerful reason for not getting a flu shot, why on earth wouldn't you? Even if it isn't the strains that come out this year, even if you still might get the flu, why wouldn't you do this little step, free step if you're insured, it's even covered by Mass Health and everything else, to help give yourself one more safeguard against possibly ending up in a hospital because if everyone remembers in the spring hospital beds were hard to come by and yes they will stand up you know the emergency hospital zones and everything else if we need them again but i would again remind everyone if you don't have to go to a hospital why would you risk it why wouldn't you give yourself every bit of insurance you could about not ending up there flu shots wear your seat belt you know practice good hygiene and safety those are all things that i I would like to think if there's a positive of COVID that everyone's taking all those things more seriously than we ever did. Um, so if there's an upside, you know, let's hope that that's the upside that everyone's uh, being just that much more careful. Just one more thing, and then I'm going to let everybody else talk to uh, my parents actually mentioned to me about the pneumonia uh, vaccine. I didn't even know about that. So is that basically for the seniors or tell me a little bit more about that? Because it is targeted. It, it is targeted at seniors. And again, your primary care physician is the best way to get directed to that. I have not seen that available at places like CVS yet. I'm not saying it isn't. I know the shingles vaccine isn't, but specifically the the, the pneumonia vaccine. Um, so you definitely, and the other thing is not everyone can take every vaccine depending on your medical conditions. So please always start with your primary care physician. Always start there. They know you, they know what you need um, and let them help you know direct you and guide you to what you need. Perfect. Mel, do you want to take over? I was just uh, posting some stuff on Facebook too, and then uh, maybe we can you can introduce Josh. Well, that's exactly what no, I was. Not do. that he needs an introduction. Okay. <laughs> no. Hey, Josh, I got the postcard too. <laughs> I was going to show it to you. One times. <laughs> oh yeah, I got the postcard too. It was a very big postcard too. I, I, it's actually in my car because I keep meaning to bring it in here and be like, look, it's our friend. <laughs> yeah, but they're saying bad stuff about him. I think. No, it's his postcard. Hey. Oh, his postcard. Right. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so good to see everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, just under a month though, just a couple more weeks and then we have election day. But um, getting back to uh, Mr. Josh Keller, we are joined by, um, you are the state representative for Massachusetts, 6th, Plymouth County 6th District, correct? Yes. 
That's right. <laughs> that is a mouthful. How do you even say that? I, sometimes I have trouble, to be honest. <laughs> um, okay, so just like uh, Lisa and Ken, I'm going to allow you to reintroduce yourself to all of our listeners who weren't uh, with us for the first 15 weeks of COVID um, when you joined us every week. But um, why don't you let everybody know who you are, what you do for us here um, in the 6th District of Plymouth County. All right, great. Thanks, Melissa. Uh, well, it's good to it's good to good to be back. Good to see uh, the team here, <laughs> Keith, Lisa, everyone. Uh, thank you for all that you're doing. I know we, we it felt like uh, you know ages ago when I was on every Tuesday with all the latest updates, and thankfully, Sharon, you're able to get back to kind of talking about real estate uh, for, <laughs> for a while, which I know is the, the purpose of the show. But uh, happy to be here. Thank you for for the constant work that all of you do. To update us and uh, happy to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Um, uh, I did have a little bit of an update on the eviction moratorium, which I know is a timely topic, but I don't want to deviate from the agenda. So you tell me, but happy to be here. Thanks for, for tuning in. No, we just, we want to, you, we want to give you the opportunity to tell all of our listeners a little bit of an update of everything that's been going on um, sort of with you and with, sure. with you know, this <laughs> area. I actually have a question. There's a surprise. So let's just talk about this past weekend that got ruined for me. So I've lost my Aruba trip. Now I know people are dying. I get it. It's really serious, but I couldn't go to Aruba and then Vermont. So, you know, the governor up there, because we were in the red zone, they said they put all this nonsense in place and I didn't go. So I canceled my daughter who was in Clemson. She got a test was mm -hmm. and got negative because she works at the school. So both her and her boyfriend and they quarantined for two weeks there so they could come home to go on a Vermont trip after Casey took the test, right? The bar. And then when I called the hotel, they were like, oh, no, you're in Massachusetts. And then they looked up Plymouth County. And they're like, no, Plymouth County has risen 40% in the last week. So we're canceling your reservation. Wow. But then I heard of people who were up there this past weekend and there was no repercussions. Is it just because I would answer the questions honestly? Like, have you been tested? So I, I know because I, I went to, to Vermont earlier in the summer when Plymouth County was not in the red. And I remember getting asked that question. But you, you can also, if that's the case, you can get a test and show them a negative test. That was the policy before. Well, they said a test and a week or two of quarantine on top of it. So by the okay, time I called, it was too late. The quarantine okay. week. So. Yeah. So when I, I went, it was if you had a positive, excuse me, a negative test, then 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 uh, you could overcome the the the, the county issue. But uh, I'm sorry to hear that. It sounds like you've had a rough a rough go of it. <laughs> the people are dying. I call, mean, call the fire department when you need help, though. <laughs> I feel like you still have a headache. I should. They get were it. great when my fire alarm went off. So, <laughs> Josh calls. I called. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, Josh, you can. I'm sorry that I interrupted you there, but I just okay. was as we were talking about, you know, can we, what time? Uh, I don't mean to interrupt your family plans to Vermont. I did want to provide a little bit of an update on the eviction moratorium. That's important. <laughs> that's important news. That's not bad. I guess that's more important. No, actually, I need some ideas for a nice post-election uh, vacation. I'm going to need one. But right. um, any case, um, wanted to just update everybody. Thank you, Sharon. I'm just joking. Um, so the uh, we do have an, a, a, the eviction foreclosure moratorium that is currently in effect is set to expire uh, next Saturday. And I know this has been mm -hmm. a big topic of discussion for a lot of folks because, you know, whether you're a homeowner or a renter in the real estate business or not, it's, it's obviously a concern for a lot of folks. Um, and so that is set to expire October 17th. Uh, there is still the CDC's federal 
uh, eviction moratorium, which runs through the end of December. So that's still in place. I want to make sure people are aware of that. Um, but what the governor did uh, just this Monday, actually on Columbus Day, came out with a, a program to try to address some of the things that we think might happen as a result of this uh, moratorium expiring. Um, and this is quite a bit to it. I'll just mention the highlights. If you, if you have questions, we can follow up. But so we're dedicating uh, $171 million in funding, which a lot of that is paid for through our federal uh, CARES Act funding um, for the RAFT program, which is the rental assistance for, to families in transition, which helps people who are in need of housing. So a lot of the money will be going to expand that program. Also putting uh, almost $50 million in home base program, which is something that's for uh, people who are facing homelessness or tenants who've been evicted. Mm -hmm. uh, and as a, as a side note, um, not that we needed a reminder of this, unfortunately, but I can tell you I've had two cases this week in my district of people that were either homeless or facing imminent homelessness. So it, it's certainly an issue um, that we're confronting in, in our you know, relatively affluent areas here. Um, but so that was good news. Uh, also, uh, it puts $12 million towards uh, legal assistance mediation because we know there's you know sometimes issues between landlords and tenants. And rather than having all that spill into court and costing everyone a lot of money, uh, we're putting more money into a mediation program that, that will be run uh, you know, regionally. So if we can work out some of these cases between landlords and tenants through mediation rather than through the court system, I think everybody wins. So we're putting some more money into that to have more people on staff, more mediators to handle that uh, influx of cases. Um, so there's some other things in it as well, but that was the big announcement by Governor Baker um, just this Monday. And I know because Plymouth County, I've been speaking to Plymouth County Treasurer Tom O'Brien, who's managing the, the county CARES fund and, and Plymouth County will be fully participating in that and helping to fund that here in Plymouth County. So that will be something that, that's something the administration has announced. So that's gonna go into effect. Um, and there is still some pending legislation, Sharon, uh, which is not gonna be resolved by the time this moratorium runs out. But I can tell you, we're still looking at this issue and the idea of extending the moratorium a little bit further, but, and a big but, taking some steps, because we know that there are many landlords that are also in a pinch in a bind, because if they're not getting paid, obviously they can't pay their own bills or their own mortgages. And so trying to do some things that, um, that kind of correct some of the, the issues that we saw with people who maybe could afford to pay the rent, choosing not to, uh, and trying to use this law, which was designed to protect people in need as more of a shield to, you know, to, to, um, to do something that they shouldn't be doing. So we want to make sure we're protecting the folks who truly do need it, but at the same time, giving some tools to landlords so that they're not shut out and they're not um, you know, sort of um, put in a lurch as well. So that, that's sort of the short version, <laughs> happy to try to do follow up. So with the $171 million of uh, funding that you're, wherever, I don't know where this money is gonna come from, but I guess it's we'll have from, to Primarily from the Federal CARES Act funding through, okay. um, through Congress that was already appropriated. So is it to help people pay their rents and things like that? So what yeah, is- Yeah, exactly, point? yep, yeah. exactly. We have an existing program called RAFT um, which uh, like South Shore Housing, or they just changed their name, but like they're one of the local agencies around here that handles that South Shore Community Action. And so that's a program that people can already go to if they meet eligibility guidelines and they'll help you qualify for, for a different rental assistance programs. Mm -hmm. uh, but basically we're expanding that or making it easier to qualify because we know there's gonna be a lot more people that are gonna need that. So I know like when it initially started and people were hearing that, you know, that they were going to have forgiveness, so to speak, for their rent. So initially, I think it was three months. Now it's, I think, six months. But they're responsible to pay that six months back, right? Yeah. So, well, so I just want to be clear because we actually I remember we talked about this in the past. Yeah. That goes on the end of the term. So it's not that they have to pay that all 
right when the state of emergency is lifted because that was a, that was something that people were talking about that is not correct it goes the forbearance goes at the end of the term so you still have to pay it back you still have to pay it back with interest but you have you know whatever however long your, your mortgage is it's mm -hmm. 30 years then it would be the end of that term yeah but what about the renters as well though right so, one so that wouldn't apply for renters obviously so it'd be because they have a you know a shorter term so that would yeah. still be the case and that and that was you know i think sharon one of the things the governor was trying to do is you know people we're digging a hole here that we're going to get it's going to be too deep to get out of if yeah. this moratorium just goes on interminably and indefinitely so you know it's that fine line between helping the people that we want to help because we certainly you know with winter coming getting cold mm -hmm. out covid's on the resurgence the last thing we want to do is see people displaced losing their homes losing their apartments uh but at the same time we have to you know find a way so we can also allow landlords to to, to be able to pay their bills yeah. and not get into a huge hole that we just can't can't recover yeah. from and I will agree. I think that this time around, it's going to be more pressing that there there's something in place because now look at the time we were before where it was March. So we were anticipating warm weather. So it was almost like every time, you know, that Ken and Lisa were talking, it was like sort of light at the end of the tunnel, like it's starting to get warmer out. We're going to be able to go outside. Now we're the complete opposite. I mean, we're hitting this October, November. If we get back into a situation where people can't afford it now, you know, homelessness, you know, in the winter months, it's going to be even that much more difficult. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's un definitely. A and by the way, my bulldog is snoring. He's not bored by any of this conversation. I haven't kept his attempt. I'm sorry. I'll try to do better. <laughs> I 100% can hear that and have just been listening to it the whole entire time. You can? Oh, yeah. <laughs> sorry. All right. Well, you guys take over. Ask some questions. I'm going to take care of Gracie, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Um, Justin, do you have any questions for Josh? Oh, no, hey, Justin, like, good to see you again. Yeah, you as well. It's you as well. You as well, certainly. No, everything. It's it, really what, really what it comes down to is what Lisa was saying earlier. Is that it's interesting to see how it's going to play out and maybe how legislation or whatnot or how the elections are going to affect it. But it just all of it has to play off what each individual person is doing. And so as whatever side of the political spectrum you fall on or what you think should happen or what you shouldn't happen, it really is up to you. Yeah, no, I think Lisa sort of hit it on the nail on the head earlier with her comment about that. And I would just say, you know, it's not a partisan thing, but, you know, we really hope here in Massachusetts that the federal government will, will come through with that another round of stimulus funding. And we know the two parties are, you know, somewhat close together. Josh, that actually kind of spread yeah. my memory real quick. Do you think... Sure. Uh, we talked about the states and certain towns or counties falling into different zones and that being a determining factor in regards to what the state implements in terms of restrictions. Do you think states kind of acting on their own is going to affect either negatively or positively what the federal and national government's doing? Uh, so that's a great question. So I, I think, I guess I'd say, number one, I think Massachusetts, you know, again, has really done this, you know, not perfect, but as well as we can be expected. Um, I think we've been, a, you know, a leader in trying to, you know, Governor Baker back when, you know, people were upset about the business closings back this spring. I mean, he kept saying, listen, we're doing this now so that we don't have to go backwards later, you know, later in the year. And we saw other states that, in fact, did have to do that. And there's nothing, you know, obviously there's nothing worse than closing your business other than having to open it and then close it again. Um, and so we, we, that's the last thing we want to see happen. And so I think the governor was trying to be conservative with, you know, the way we handle things. And I think for the most part, you know, that was proven to be the correct strategy. Um, you know, we're seeing this uptick now, but I, you know, it's still, it's still manageable. So, you know, as long as we bear down and follow what we're, you know, the guidelines, I think, you know, we'll be okay. Um, 
but so you know, in terms of you know uh, Congress, I mean, obviously, you know, there's it's there's a presidential election imminently. I'm not going to get into all that, but I think you know, hopefully, you know, I think both parties understand that we need to do something more to help the states uh, and through them, you know, local <laughs> governments. And so, you know, I'm hopeful that that will happen. It may not it may not end up happening before the election, but shortly thereafter, because we we certainly, you know, it's 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 raining, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It is. Raining. <laughs> yeah. Figuratively. Uh, so not to get off topic, but I feel like the most important question here is uh, what's going on for Halloween? Oh, yes. I, I, so I so I get to do Halloween too. I, I Ken can help me though. So sorry, it's my favorite holiday, and the, I'm like sort of upset. What is it? Before no, no, least, no, I want to no, hear your update. But what is everyone going to be for Halloween? Yeah, um, mine's top fire secret. Fire chief. Ken's a firefighter. <laughs> okay. I'll just stick with it. <laughs> it works for you. Yeah. My, well, mine's super top secret. Uh, okay. okay. All right. It, it will be on Facebook, but it's super top secret. Bill, Bill and I, uh, we we have a pretty epic, excellent social distancing, COVID safe uh, costume plan that will be unveiled. And and yes, there will be photos to be seen. Is and somebody it's, it's pretty good. Somebody TP. And no, 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 no. Now no, that it's back no. in stock, <laughs> yeah, it's no. way it's way cooler than that. But uh, really? when you see it, you'll be like, oh, of course. Can okay. you be a vaccine? Like nope, nope. <laughs> I'm not a vaccine. I'm I'm nothing medical related. Nothing. Nothing specific to COVID. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. So. Sharon will definitely see it, of course. But I'll rack my brain on this one. <laughs> yeah. All right, Lisa. What is a what's an update then? For so, how? I I don't know. I mean, I understand the concerns surrounding Halloween, but I don't know who started the rumor that like Halloween was getting canceled. I can understand. Anyways, just I know. We're exactly. I mean, and a mask is so easy to incorporate. Now, are there certain, you know, safety steps we should take? Of course, but we we all know what those are. But I'll dive into that in one second. But I don't know who started the rumor that it was like canceled, going to be banned or anything else. Certainly, if you're in a super high risk community, I would like to think any parent in a super high risk community is going to pause and think twice about what is truly safe to do with their child for Halloween. Halloween is not canceled. There are a hundred things you can do around Halloween that is not trick or treating. And there's a way to do trick-or-treating safely. And, and you know, the funny thing is, is when, you know, Ken and the police chief and the Pima team sat down and talked about this, the rules don't change all that much from just having a safe regular Halloween to a safe COVID Halloween. The first rule is don't go places you don't know. Well, you shouldn't do that on any Halloween. You shouldn't be going into strange neighborhoods, strange areas with people you don't know and saying, hey, I think I'm going to wander around and take food from these people. So <laughs> one, you should start by staying in your own neighborhoods or neighborhoods that are known to you. That That's just a good safety technique all the time. You should not let your children or anyone else go into houses you don't know. Well, yeah, you shouldn't be going inside houses, you know, on a regular Halloween. That's not a, a great safety practice. Mm. Um, you shouldn't let your children, you know, tear into and start eating their candy until you've inspected it. That's always been true on Halloween. Unfortunately, um, before it was because people would tamper with candy, poison candy, and, and put uh, dangerous items in candy. Now it's because you want to make sure that the candy your kids are going to eat hasn't been, you know, unwrapped or in any other way made unsafe. And then I'm going to go into extra safety steps for COVID specific after this. And then wait, last wait, but not least, you should. Wait, wait, I want to stop what? right there. Okay. I mean, you don't even have to worry about a razor blade right now in an apple. You have to worry about somebody licking your Tootsie Roll. Correct. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but you, I would like to think most parents are at least looking at their kids' candy before they tear into it on some level. Like, well, you I really wipe it all that. down. 
Right. Well, no, there's actually, there's solutions. No, there's real world solutions to all of this, but I'll, I'll get into that. So then the next part is, you <laughs> Well, know, actually, before you get into that, let's actually take our top of the hour ID and then we can hear all about it uninterrupted. Sounds good. W-A-T-T-F-M Marshfield, W-B-M-S Brockton. This is the South Shores Radio Station, 95.9 FM W-A-T-D. Streaming online at 95.9WATD.com and with your smart speaker just by saying play W-A-T-D. AP News, I'm Tim McGuire. Supreme Court nominee Judge Amy Coney Barrett faces questions from Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee. Barrett says her job is to follow the law, and it's not the law of Amy, it's the law of the American people. How she feels about them doesn't matter. I just don't have the power by fiat to impose my policy preferences or choose the result I prefer. Declining to give her views on issues from gun rights to abortion to health care and the upcoming election. Barrett says she can't give an opinion on whether she'd recuse herself from any election dispute cases involving President Trump, who has said he wants nine justices in place before any potential election decisions. Barrett also would not answer whether the president has the power to delay the general election, an idea he's floated. The Constitution gives Congress that power. Sagar Magani, Washington. Both Trump and Democrat Joe Biden stepping up their campaigning with Election Day three weeks away. Former Vice President in Florida, first meeting with elderly residents of Pembroke Pines, later at a get-out-the-vote auto rally in Miramar. Let's get up! Let's take back this country! Show the world who we are! May God bless you and may God protect our troops! Thank you, thank you, thank you! Trump is in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, one of three K states he won in 2016. He narrowly flipped Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin that year and has virtually no path to re-election without holding at least one of them. Aides have already concluded Michigan may be out of reach. Wisconsin recorded record highs for positive coronavirus cases and deaths today on the eve of an overflow field hospital opening near Milwaukee. Cristiano Ronaldo is the latest international soccer star to test positive for the coronavirus. This is AP News. After some beneficial rain, an inch or more in spots with this very long-term Severe to extreme drought. The showers moving away and overnight tonight clearing a low of 51. They'll stay dry for the next couple of days. Tomorrow will return to sunshine. The high 68. Tomorrow night clear and the low to mid 50s. Thursday warmer. Good deal of sun. It'll become breezy. The high 72. High pressure along the eastern seaboard shifting offshore. Friday, a gusty wind clouding up, a shower or two developing, high again in the low 70s, and that could turn into quite a storm by the start of the weekend, colder with wind-driven rain threatening Saturday. For WATD, I'm meteorologist Rob Gilman. This is Kirk Reed from McNamara Financial. I often get asked, when should I start collecting Social Security? It's not always a quick question to answer, but an important one. If you'd like to have a conversation about your situation, give me a call at 781-834-2010 
or check out McNamaraFinancial.com. We now return to Talk Real Estate, sponsored by Boston Connect Real Estate Services on 95.9 WATD. And we are back. You are listening to Talk Real Estate Roundtable with Boston Connect Real Estate Broker Team. I did have a little hiccup there. Okay. Um, Boston Connect Real Estate Broker Team. My name is Melissa Wallace, and I am joined by my team members, Mary Baker, Sharon McNamara, and Dustin Hughes. Tonight, we have three very special guests that we spent a long time with during COVID, and we've missed them oh so much. Uh, so we wanted them to come back tonight and give a little bit of an update since we have a long show again tonight. So we're on until 7.30 tonight. Um, but Lisa, Woo-hoo. before we went to the break, you were in the middle of my favorite uh, discussion. Halloween. Uh, Halloween. So why don't we finish that thought um, and then we sure. can go around and do some, do some final thoughts here. So we, we had covered all the basics of Halloween. I mean, you know, again, people shouldn't let young children go out by themselves. Um, people should make sure that even if their teens go out by themselves, that they're aware of where their teens going, have some sort of time frame that the, those kids are supposed to return home so you know that they're safe. Make sure your child is seen, that they have either a visible costume or a flashlight or some other things. All of these things are or should be standard Halloween practice, but it's going to be even more important in a COVID year. So now let's talk about things specific to make Halloween fun and safe um, during COVID-19. The idea that we you know, can't put out a bowl of candy and have everyone reaching into the bowl of candy is obviously not a really super safe COVID Mm -hmm. idea. So what a lot of people are doing or what I've heard and what I'm actually going to do, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, is I'm actually going to use little Ziploc bags and I'm going to put a couple pieces of candy in a Ziploc bag and I'm going to use a cookie sheet and I'm going to put out the cookie sheet with the little baggies standing up so kids can actually see what's in it and parents can see what's in it and know that it's not a booby trap or a razor blade or some other thing that shouldn't be there and they can see clearly the candy inside of it. They can come up and and touch one bag and only one bag um, and and take it and go. And this is where, you know, the parents of older kids have got to, you know, have a little sit down and talk, you know, with their older children about respecting that, you know, one bag per household so that it doesn't happen that, you know, um, the first teens that get by take everything and that the next younger kids get nothing. That's going to be more important this year than ever before. And I'm going to talk to the teens that may or may not listen to this. Please respect that, you know, Halloween's important to everybody and, and don't ruin Halloween for others by, you know, taking more than your fair share. The other thing is people need to respect the households that don't participate in Halloween. And this doesn't mean they're afraid. It doesn't mean they're sheep. It doesn't mean that they're bad people or they hate Halloween. Um, but there's certain households that are not going to be able to participate. And those are going to be households with maybe someone that, that's at very high risk in that household. Maybe it's someone that works in the medical care profession and doesn't want to handle candy that's going to then be, you know, taken home to someone else. You know, you can wash your hands and everything else, but there's certain people in high-risk professions that aren't going to feel safe, you know, handing out or, or having people come near their house and take things. And then last but not least, there's going to be houses that are actually have sick people at them. And you should not be encouraging your children or letting your children approach houses without lights on, without obvious you know, decorations and signs, without an obvious table or setup for Halloween. Um, you're going to want to really respect that because the last thing you want is them going up to a household that someone may have gone in and out of that, that actually is affected by COVID or has someone that's sick at it. Um, so all that's going to be more important this year. Only go to the houses that you know in neighborhoods you know that are obviously participating in Halloween for both your safety as well as your children's safety. The second part about this is, and this is going to be a more challenging part because I know, Josh, you have young kids, so I'm going to pick on you because you definitely have kids that are in the, the target Halloween age range, 
is trying to have a talk with your kids about after they collect all their candy and let it sit for a while. We know this virus hates time. Um, as, as rapidly as it can move from one person to another is the easiest way to get it. Every hour that goes by this virus, even if it is on a surface, is more likely to die. Negotiate with your kids. Collect all the candy they can Halloween night. And if you can just convince them to wait a day or two before tearing into it, you're going to minimize any chance of contact virus coming into contact with you or your kids. Put mm -hmm. it in that Halloween bag, put it on the shelf. Maybe when you go to the store to buy Halloween candy that you're going to hand out, get a few extra pieces of the kids' favorite stuff so they can have it that night and just say, guys, we just need you know 24 to 48 hours. Let that candy sit and make sure it's safe. That's a great technique, you know, negotiate with your kids that you're just looking out for the thing. You're gonna have all your candy. I just want you to wait a day or two. So Josh, I'm just curious, are you- A quick question about that. I yeah. would give advice. So if you got candy, do you, I mean, is it okay if you like kind of wipe it down? Is that enough? Or are you saying that that's not- It's enough? helpful. It's helpful, but time is your best friend. I mean, it's helpful as much as you can wipe candy. Yes, Josh, if you if you have the ability to wipe it and everything else, but time is your best friend. So if you if you can just negotiate that 24 to 48 hours, we know, like I said, this virus just doesn't like to to hang out in, in, buy in, in a longer time. And pull a switcheroo on a Halloween night. Is that what you're telling me? See, well, not a switcheroo, <laughs> but, but even a negotiation. But, but every parent knows their own child. Some children, yeah, you're going to have to pull a switcheroo. Okay, you know, here, Delilah, this is the stuff you can have tonight. That I've sorted through your candy. This is what's safe. And, and you know, maybe it's from her bag and maybe it isn't. But everyone knows their own child. Other children, I, I have to go back to what I'm seeing in the schools when I'm doing the inspections. My word, let the kids lead the way. These kids are taking it seriously. They're doing the right things in the schools. They're responsible. I'm hearing really intelligent level dialogue out of second and third graders about COVID, even at breaks, even in classrooms. These kids have have really grasped onto this. And, and I'll go so far to say some of these kids are, are taking this more seriously and have a better grasp of the situation than some of the adults I'm interacting with professionally. <laughs> they get it. If you just say, you're going to have all your candy, but I need you to wait a day or two, a lot of kids can handle that. But every parent knows their own child and, and work that into the, to the discussion. The other thing is... <coughs> Most kids, the big thing about Halloween is dressing up and everything else. And for some kids, you know, going around and trick-or-treating, I even know some kids that, you know, can't have candy um, or have severe allergies. So obviously trick-or-treating is not an option for them because of their severe allergies. There's different programs going on where there's, um, you know, reach out to some of the, the um senior centers and things like that where they're having um, parades um, for people that are at nursing homes or senior living type facilities. They're having a parade around the outside with the kids so they get to be part of something special like that mm -hmm. that doesn't have to necessarily do with trick-or-treating. I know that our own COA is having a trunk or treat that they're going to do in a very safe environment. And then, you know, for those that are really susceptible, you know, Halloween doesn't have to just be trick-or-treating. Again, have a costume contest. Do, do the jack-o'-lantern painting or the jack-o'-lantern carving. Decorate cooking that you can have, um, have, have a, a gathering at home, have a spooky movie night, um, you know, decorate houses. I, I asked the chamber and I don't know if they're working on it, but I, I was hoping the chamber was going to work on something because if you have not driven around Pembroke yet and seen some of the amazing decorations, I'm hoping we're going to be able to get together a list of addresses, but there's something that's totally fun and safe. You and your kids can even dress up and drive around and look at things like that. Some of these houses, I don't know Josh Duxbury, but it's amazing. Some of the decorations yeah. out there. I agree. Melissa, so, why don't you um, tell everybody Halloween about our Jack Melissa, tell everybody about our Jack-o'-lantern contest with what? we have what two fifty dollar winners this year? No way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um when we first started it about four years ago, um we just had 
one winner. And then we just got so many uh, people, you know, sending us their jack-o'-lanterns. Um, so, and we even have some here um, that that we decided to do two winners every year. So um, we have this contest every year and, and usually we have a trick-or-treating event. So um, that was more of like an educational thing for me. Like hopefully we can still do something like that, um, but we're working on uh, getting some, some little um, boxes and stuff for people to come by and grab. But um, are we our jack-o'-lantern contest, um, if you go to our Facebook page, so Boston Connect Real Estate on Facebook or on Instagram, um, you'll see you know uh, our post about it. So you can send um, a picture of your jack-o'-lantern or you can actually bring your jack-o'-lantern to our office and display it on our brick wall out front. That's cool. Um, and we'll we'll light it up and we, we sort of want to light up the center. So with yeah. some uh, spooky jack-o'-lanterns. Um, That's and, really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, so now that you know we're we're settled in here, you know last year was our first Halloween here at 19 Metacusett Street in Pembroke Center, um, and this is our second Halloween here. So we really want to go go big because this is our home. So we have instead of going big and go home, it's our that's home. awesome. I love that you're having a contest and then creating you know a display. That is really yeah. cool. Yeah, don't you think that will look cool? Because we had them I last year. Amazing. We had them all on the um, the farmer's porch. So we were hoping we could do the farmer's porch and then the brick wall out front and. Yeah. We thought it would look really cool. Um, is Ken still with us, or did he? He's there. Oh, I'm here. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can't see you. So, But, Ken, um, we haven't really had a chance to talk to you very much. I mean, you gave our, you know, your words of wisdom, like, don't screw it up. But um, how are you seeing things? I did see, I think it was the town or city of Worcester, and they're having some problems. I mean, we've been talking about this. One of you guys get it, then it's sort of going to flow through the whole department. So, yeah, so uh, Alboro had a case of it where it knocked out seven or nine guys. Yeah. Um, so we've had a couple uh, scary runs, uh, which turned out to be, thank God, negative mm -hmm. uh, due to a couple cases that we've had. Uh, so knock on wood, we've been pretty safe um, so far. Uh, guys are taking precautions. They're doing everything they're supposed to do. Um, you know, we have protocols in place that uh, the PMA team and and both police, fire, and health have have put together. Um, so, but but you know, you're not you're not immune to it. It's out there. Um, so you know, we've had two cases, so two instances where we've had to send a couple people to get tested, which came back negative. Um, you know, so we're doing pretty good there. Cases are on the rise. Uh, uh, transports are on the rise. Our run volumes going up, uh, so we're going to be on pace with the 3,100 runs we did last year. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it, it, it slowed down a lot. It slowed down the economy. Slowed down businesses. Slowed down restaurants. It really hasn't slowed us down that much. Yeah. Um, we had, you know, we had one or two months where we were, we had a decline in runs uh, from the from the previous year. Uh, but we were able to make those up in, you know, the following months and we've been pretty consistent right through. So, so as the chief of the fire department here in Pembroke, um, in, in collaboration with Lisa and the task force that all of you are on, and I'm sure Josh sort of pipes in, I saw that the town of Marshfield ultimately had to make the decision not to, they're now fully remote with school. Um, my guess is that we're going to end up there as well. But what are the deciding factors? Like when when are you deciding that it's time to go 100% remote again? So again, in collaboration with our PEMA team, and, and I want to put uh, 
So Erin and her staff have done a fabulous job at preparing the kids to come back to school uh, when they went back in September. Um, so, you know, there are protocols through the state and through the town that we have in place that will determine when school goes remote, if it goes remote. Mm -hmm. If I was a betting person, I would say it will probably go remote. Mm -hmm. um, I, I can't I can't see it not spiking high enough before it would starts to fall down on the, or, or slopes down on the other side of the curve. Um, but I, I hope I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, but we do have a plan in place. Aaron has a great plan in place. Lisa has a great plan in place. I mean, I don't want to jinx anything, but I, I I, and at least it can speak, I just can't see it sustaining um, the way it is without without going remote. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it really goes back to individuals' responsibility for personal behavior. And that's, that's true of adults and that's true of the school-age kids. Now, the really awesome things that are happening right now are, like I said, these kids have absolutely blown my socks off. I am more impressed with the school children in Pembroke than I ever could have imagined or scripted how well-behaved, how mature, how responsible they're all being. So my hat's off to all of them, um, not just in the classroom, but in the youth sports as well. Again, I'll, I'll take these kids over some of the adults I'm dealing with on a regular <laughs> basis any day of the week. <clears throat> so the, the three factors, there's actually three factors that are going to dictate you know, as far as a remote model. And the most important one we have not seen at all and that is actual transmission within the schools. Every case that has occurred in a school-aged child, we have traced it back to activity outside of the school. Most often because someone else in the household has contracted COVID. Mm -hmm. That is the number one reason we are seeing of, of the few cases we've had of school-aged children, most often it's because one of their parents have contracted it. Um, in, in one of the cases, it was due to travel. In the other case, it was due to an activity outside of the school. So those are, those are where we're seeing the transmission. And I know it seems alarming when you see us go from a green to a yellow, but keep in mind some of these cases that are coming in, there are multiple cases in a single household. So if anyone has kids, you know that if one kid's sick, all the kids are sick. Well, that's the true with COVID too. By the time someone in a household is ill, it is likely that everyone in the household is gonna get ill. It's not a guarantee, but it is likely. Mm -hmm. And then the last part of this is, is Again, where are those numbers coming from? It's not just a simple stoplight, oh, we're red, you know, close all the schools. Pembroke could go red. And we saw this in the spring where isolated living communities have a spike in cases, again, because of communal living. We saw it in nursing homes. We saw it in, in senior housing developments. Obviously, if we have a spike in a nursing home or, or in our hospital or some other con confined living environment that doesn't have children in it, you know, that's not going to, you know, change our impact and how we're going to behave with, with school-aged children. We want to watch that specific demo demographic. We want to watch the overall metrics for the town. Those are always important. And then last but not least, are we seeing transmission in the school community? And that's what the what makes me the happiest. Um, more than anything else is we're not seeing the transmission there. To Ken's point, do I think we're eventually going to see it? Yes. Sooner or later, the cases are going to rise enough where enough people are going to be ill, um, possibly asymptomatic and carrying where we're going to start to see those cases go up. If you ask me to take my best guess on our current trajectory, the good news is I don't think we'll see that till December. And maybe if we can get to December and we can get a nice chunk of break from December into mid-January, we can we can beat those numbers back down and come back at it fresh for a new semester. Um, but the schools plans that in place, the way they're, they're managing the schools, the way they're sanitizing the schools, and again, the behavior of the school children themselves, 
we have given ourselves the best chance in that environment, you know, to, to, to make this last as long as possible. That's for sure. Do you think we're going to get back to a place where we are definitely like in sort of lockdown again? Like, do you think, I mean, I was out the other day going to an appointment for work and I couldn't believe how much traffic there was. And I was like, doesn't seem very COVIDy out here right now, you know? Depends Just- on the people. I hate to keep going back to that, but it really depends on if people keep their hands clean, if people avoid gathering unnecessarily, if people wear their masks. Mm-hmm. If people do all of those things, no, I don't think we're going to end up back in a full lockdown. We may have to take additional precautions, but I don't think we're going to end up in a full shutdown lockdown again. Um, if people keep in mind that. And then the other ticking clock is when are we going to have a vaccine? And once we do have a vaccine, how many people are going to be comfortable taking it? And it's so right, right now it's beat the clock. Can we keep the rise in cases low enough to keep our status quo of open business and semi-open schools and when is that vaccine going to hit that we can start forcing those numbers lower? And and with all those factors in play, I don't want to, you know, that that's even more than I'm willing to go to, to Vegas with on odds and put down a bet. But again, if people do the right thing, do I think we can keep it safe enough? Yes. If people become lazy, careless and and don't take the precautions and, and act like it's fake, then no, we, we could very well end up in a lockdown because I think it's still going to be late spring to midsummer before we truly see a, a time-tested, widely available vaccine. Because the one from Johnson & Johnson, I just heard that on the news last night, right? So some, there were some um, ill effects to the <laughs> one that they were testing. So yeah. that was off the off the block there, I yeah, guess. The closest vaccine is the Moderna one. Um, oh, yeah. But, but like Lisa said, I, you won't see it till summertime. And, and with your, your analogy of, you know, it doesn't look covid out there because everybody's moving around, it's exactly what I said earlier. It's, mm-hmm. it's We get complacent. Yeah. So if you're in a neighborhood of 100 people and the first 10 houses on the street don't have it, then all 100 people on the street don't have it. That's yeah. just, we're like, oh, well, the neighborhood's safe. So we can all, and it, that's by far not the case. Mm-hmm. It's just we, we see, you know, tunnel vision. If the first 10 houses are good, then, you know, the rest of the 80 houses or 90 houses are fine. Yeah. And that's why you're seeing the traffic, people just moving and doing what they can do and, and getting out. Uh, because it either hasn't affected them or their surroundings are pretty safe. No one they know has it, no one in the neighborhood has it, no one, you know, and, and then they're just taking it to the next step. And mm-hmm. that's where it's going to. And it's, it's not because they don't care. I just think that they're just moving on with their lives. We've got a lot to do in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And they're just trying to get it done. And that's kind of where we are. So, And that's one of the things I was talking to Mary and Melissa, I think, the other day about it. It's like I'm, I am noticing more and more people out there. And we remember how anxious I was about all of this at the beginning. And I noticed myself, I actually said to Mark the other day, it was like I was comfortable. I went into restaurants a couple times. You know, I did, you know, we went through that whole process. And but now I'm starting to feel that I can feel it again. Like, you know what I mean? That momentum almost where... Maybe we will be safer because it's cold out and people will be in their own home. You, you know what I mean? So it's just like your, you know, your family in your house. So maybe maybe with the colder weather, maybe it will be better. Maybe we're, coming, we're coming into Thanksgiving. We're coming into uh, Christmas. We're coming. I'm so Monday. excited. I don't have to. I'm not having it this year because I'm like, so, it's I mean, those, those outside parties transition to the inside because because people are going to do them. So we just got to be careful. No one says you can't have a party. No one says don't have some people over. You just got to take those precautions. Same thing the school's doing. 
you know, wear your mask if you if you feel uncomfortable. Have them wear the mask right up until they eat. They do social distancing. Have hand wash. Make sure everybody washes their hands. You know, as they come in and in, in in the middle and before they leave. You just you have to do the same things we're doing everywhere in your own home. To protect have smaller gatherings. That's the number one thing I hear. Everyone's planning smaller Thanksgivings, like the micro Thanksgiving. Instead of having you know thirty and forty people, there's a lot of people that are doing just immediate family, maybe one or two others. That's a great way to, you know, do that. Now, my family did something cool. Um, so during the, the 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 spring shutdown, we started having you know family zooms. So I would expect you know come the holidays, there's pr probably going to be a family zoom Thanksgiving where we're all in our micro pods, but we're all zooming with each other and play games, and that was actually. Well, we can you know, have quite a, a bit of fun. Pajama, pajama party. Let's do yeah. that. <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> just got to be careful. That's all. Just keep doing the same things we've been doing. Pembroke, like it's, Pembroke's been pretty safe. The state's been pretty good, um, you know, for the most part. Just We just got to keep doing the same thing. It isn't over. Yeah. Anybody that thinks it's over needs to watch the news. or. or what what should know. we not do right now, Ken? We shouldn't. Screw it up. That's right. <laughs> We're going to have that made on a sign for you. Melissa, do you want to sort of bring us to our end here? So our final thoughts for our final seconds. I'm sure that Ben is um, anxiously waiting for us to get finished here. I mean, that's exactly no, I'm enjoying the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we only have about uh, four, four or five minutes left in the show, but that's exactly what I was going to say. So any final thoughts, Lisa and Ken, for our listeners, um, whether it's about you know, our town specifically, the state, anything, anything you want to talk about. Floor's yours. Get your flu shot. <laughs> your Good safe advice. On it, on it, honestly, might have convinced me. <laughs> I, I, so I, I've thirty-one years, any, I've never gotten a flu shot. I've never but, gotten a flu shot either. Well, you know, so it, again, you get, you get your flu shot, and there's an eighty-five percent chance that if you feel sick, it's not the flu. Yeah. Uh huh. So you should probably get yourself. That's 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 why the flu shot this year is extremely important. I'm not a big flu shot guy, mm -hmm. uh, but it's extremely important because it takes out 85% of one factor uh, that might make things easier for people. I'm seeing Ken next Wednesday. I know that. Right, Ken? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm coming. I, I that's don't right. know where many people are, but... Um, I think so the important thing, Lisa, that yep. you said about the flu shot, though, is, I mean, when I was pregnant with Mackenzie, I got the flu and I ended up in the hospital. I'm telling yep. you right now, if I got the flu... I wouldn't be calling Ken and I wouldn't be going to the hospital either. So I would be suffering it out in my own house because I don't think I'd want to go to the hospital with it. If it's that's, that's the whole point. The whole point is if you can give yourself even one more leg up, one more safeguard, you know, we have people stockpiling food and, and toilet paper and paper towels, but they're not stockpiling their health. Mm -hmm. Everything you can do to be healthier, whether it's taking vitamins, having that extra glass of orange juice, eating a little bit healthier, stockpiling some frozen vegetables in there or getting the flu shot. And if your doctor recommends any other precautions, you should do those. Because, again, this all goes back to not only is the whole Commonwealth, literally the nation and the world's destiny in the hands of its citizens and its population right now, so is your own health. It literally is in your own hands how healthy or not healthy you're going to be this winter. So I would just ask people, and, and trust me, I am sometimes careless with my health. I will come right out and say that. I will tell you I'm going to be a lot less careless this winter than I've been before. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I think that that is some really, really good advice. And thank you again, you guys, for joining us. It's so lucky to have you guys on our side here with giving us all the knowledge that we need to just give out to people from WATD. I know you guys are from Pembroke, uh, but of course we had Josh that, you know, has a couple of different towns, but this is, this is for everybody. This is really good advice for everybody. And um, if people want to listen to this podcast over again, because there was some really good advice, you can go to Talk Real Estate Roundtable and uh, you can find our show tomorrow when Dustin puts it up but uh, you guys I have no idea Yay, Dustin. <laughs> so you guys can finish up there yeah we just have about a minute left um, but yeah so if you want to listen to any of our past shows you can go to talkrealestateroundtable.com um, we didn't talk about real estate tonight but that's okay um, you know, <laughs> this is this is super important obviously we're still dealing with this all these months later um, so hopefully we're we're on the men's but I you know we might not be. We just recently um, did a basket full of uh, masks and we were hey. and you can only wear the mask once and then you have to wash it. And blah, blah, blah. So we got masks for the whole darn neighborhood now. Yeah. That's for sure. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. But I think there's a Halloween thing on our website. Right? There is. All the Halloween links are on our website. Nice. And um, what's the website? Town of Pembroke, Mass. Go to work. Woo! All right. Don't forget about our Jack-O-Lantern contest. We won yes, Jack-O-Lanterns. I'm entering. I'm entering. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.